the Born to Be Mild podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Born to Be Mild, the podcast that guarantees you in excess of 30 minutes of banality crushing words, music, and genuine human emotion in nearly every episode. My name is Ron Cabuno. I am the host here. And for the week of October 11th, this is episode 39 of our little program. On today's show, I am very happy to welcome my cousin, Chris Wilson, on. He is a very accomplished fellow, and he is doing some pretty interesting work you're going to want to hear about. You see, Mr. Wilson lives in Norfolk, Virginia, and he is the Chief of Process Engineering at Hamptons Road Sanitation Department. And he is going to be talking with us about screening wastewater for COVID-19. Yeah, so this is super yucky, but important technology. And not just for the pandemic, but for many other public health issues as well. So I promise we will keep the talk fairly clean considering the dirty subject matter. Uh, dare I say, you could even listen to our discussion on your lunch break and still manage to keep your appetite. So after that one, we have the one, the only, West Coast Nick. He will be joining me for a little discussion on politics and a small little sprinkling of sports, of course, for good measure. So let's get right into it. But uh, first, you know, a few words on the news. Okay, have you ever heard of the parable of the pond and the pool? No? Well, okay, because it's, it's not a real parable. But it sounds like one, so you just kind of roll with it. It's actually from Caddyshack, and, you know, if you didn't know. Now, in this movie, the schlubby groundskeeper mentions that he is aware that the club Ace has a pool at his house when, you know, he mentioned to the groundskeeper that he should stop on by. And the character's name is Ty Webb, and he's played famously by Chevy Chase. Uh, he then gives the most memorable reply in the entire movie for my money. He says... You know, I got a pond and a pool, and, you know, the pond would be good for you. Right there, okay? In that singular line, we see a distinct parallel to what I would consider that can be seen in the Trump ideology. Like, what I'm getting at with this analogy is that there is a separate but unequal status that is totally just fine with these people. Like, injustice is the goal, and it's not something they want to shy away from, unfortunately. Like, even if you're the reddest of red Republicans this country's ever seen, if you live in a state with a Democratic governor, you're just as good as dead to Donald Trump. We saw that when little Jared revealed that it was a bad idea to move fast at the outset of the pandemic because it seemed to be only affecting blue states. Plus, there was a more recent decree, I, I believe, that uh, said something like only counties that you know give their covid data to the white house's department of health and human services are going to get the extra covid funding and we've seen them already skewing the numbers that are going through that department in a way that looks good for the administration another example the election like just one vote for donald trump on election day more than Joe Biden is enough for him to like say, all right, let's pack up the voting booths. We're going to, you know, declare myself the winner immediately. Now, and conversely, Joe Biden is going to have to win by 
10 million votes probably and have a landslide of historic proportions in order for Trump to actually go quietly and peacefully away. There again, you see one method is good enough for the Donald and the other one is good enough for everybody else. And it kind of reminds you of Donald Trump's coronavirus hospital visit. All right. Now, honestly, I would not put anything past this weasel of a human being, which means that for the sake of this story, I will actually assume he had coronavirus and wasn't just making it up so he could pull some last minute shenanigans as a hero. Okay. But if he had as severe of a bout as the information that came out from his, you know, doctors would suggest, then you know, at one point, did he like go in and ask for hydroxychloroquine and get laughed out of a room by a doctor or something like he was probably briefed on what a normal person's course of treatment would be if, you know, at that point of severity versus like the Cadillac care that he is about to get. And then he came out of there so hopped up 48 hours later on steroids, this super special cocktail telling everybody that he felt like perfect like 20 years younger and then he goes on tv and he's extra orange that day looking you know just as lively and youthful as ever and promises everybody the exact same course of the treatment you know absolutely free now that's something he totally cannot do but nothing is going to stop him from making these promises right i mean what's with the sudden case of like the goodwills like it seems very off-brand Has he seen the light? Or could it be linked to the dwindling popularity amongst, you know, some of his most ardent supporters? Like the polls are showing the titanic shift in seniors away from Trump since his diagnosis. Because basically they thought that if he couldn't get it, that all of his shit talking was real. And so I'm not going to like take this opportunity to disparage anyone who was naive enough to have clung to the notion that linking Trump's perceived invincibility to the virus as proof that he's able to manage the crisis. Uh, But I will say that I'm kind of happy that those bubbles got burst. And I would also say that I welcome them back to reality with open arms and an absentee ballot. Okay. Now let's get to the show. You guys are really going to enjoy this. This is my cousin, and he has a little bit of expertise on what's going on with collection of COVID-19 data from wastewater. And I am happy to welcome to the show my cousin, Chris Wilson. Chris, how you doing? Doing great, Ron. Awesome. All right. Now tell all the folks at home what your title is up in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. So I uh, work for a large treatment, wastewater treatment utility on sort of on the Atlantic coast of Virginia. And my title is I'm chief of process engineering and research. That is a big title. And I'm sure you do not get there without at least two degrees. I think you've got more though. Yeah. No, I went to, uh, <laughs> went to, uh, Undergrad at Bucknell over in Pennsylvania and um, did my master's and PhD in Virginia Tech and been in Virginia ever since. Right. Now, so for anyone who is just the layman, um, well, obviously anybody who rolls by a wastewater treatment plant knows exactly what's going on there. They are treating the sewage from uh, the local municipalities and turning it back into 
some form of either potable or flushable water again. That's right. Whatever, whatever, whatever the uh, whatever you do with the water at, at the end of it depends on how you have to clean it. If you want to drink it, you have to you have to clean it to drinking water. And most case, most case, it's going out to out to the river. For us here, I mean, you know, we're so close to the Atlantic Ocean that that it's out in the ocean within hours. So so we do. You just want to make sure it's okay but... enough to get out. Yeah. The yeah. Um, we're, we're <laughs> so all, I mean, we're like, I'm guessing that this was right now that um, we're sitting on this this sort of big. Um, underground reservoir aquifer that um that folks upstate pull water out of um and we've been pulling water out of it for now 90 years or so and turns out water doesn't get in quite as fast as we pull it out so we're treating water to drinking water standards and over you know 100 years or so those drops of water will get back upstate so people could use them again so so that case you're drinking it treating it up to uh to drinking water standards so so it just depends on what you want to use it for that is awesome and is it actually true that um, all the water that's on the earth is all that we've ever had. You know, we were, I was just having this conversation with my seven-year-old about this, and I made, <laughs> awesome. I made the misstatement that it came from comets, and it turns out that a lot of it came from comets, um, uh-huh. which is cool, right? Like, like anything that like mostly came from comets is is still pretty sweet. But yeah, a little magic um, to it. But I think I think I think a lot of it gets made um, by. Um, you know, bacteria breathing out hot, humid, humid gases and things like that. And you know, all that yeah. water adds up over time. Too. So the steam and whatnot and the uh, exhalations and anything that yeah. is an off gas will produce yeah. enough moisture to therefore be have some water extrapolated from it at some point. Yeah. You know, all things swampy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good deal. But, com- but comets are relevant. That matters. That is very cool, though. I mean, yeah. how often are comets relevant in our day to day life? That's A little right. more than we think. Um, now, I mean, like, so this show isn't known exactly to dive into the, uh, the most book worthy of territories, but you know, (laughs) like there is nothing I would say more nerdier than talking about wastewater treatment on my spare time on a Friday night. So I don't, (laughs) I don't even think Dungeons and Dragons podcasts have anything on that. No, one one of one of my my very good friends, um, his Twitter handle is Poop Science, and he he is the guy in um, in wastewater wastewater microbiology as as far as the folks folks who work for our organization. So so if anyone wants to look him up, that's a that's a good place for information. Who's that again? Uh, so good good friend Raul um, also works for HRST, but he's uh, uh like I said his handle is Poop Science. Nice, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I bet he gets a lot of those little uh turd emoji pillows as gifts around the holidays yeah yeah. (laughs) you guys are the guys i mean it is so important that we keep this civilization running i mean um the romans made the the aqueducts but i'm not sure who perfected wastewater treatment but that is right there up there with them it's important it's important we we you know we unless it's going out to the ocean for a long time it's you know we're you, know, you and I grew up grew up inland in, in Ohio, so so we're always downstream from somebody, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, now, this isn't something that is exactly at the career fair when you're looking around. So, like, how did you get into this? I don't know. So, so I went to I, I planned on going into civil engineering. I thought bridges and buildings are cool. I still think bridges and buildings are cool, of course. But but um, I was in college for a couple of years and and um, just sort of decided the the biology and chemistry end of it was more more interesting to me and so i mean and there's plenty of people focusing on bridges and buildings that's like that's right it's almost too easy to go into that that's right that's yeah it was totally it was totally hipster leanings 
too. So you get into wastewater. <laughs> that sounds way better than than like oh, I got bored with bridges and buildings and stuff. No, it's fine. way all. Yeah. I, I definitely find that that is uh, yeah. blue sky thinking. That's right. Go into the brown water. That's right. Um, is the smell something that you get used to? So yeah, so I think you said it exactly <laughs> right. There is a there is a a um, miss interpretation that that we no longer smell it right like oh you're you're desensitized desensitized is not the right way to think about it but you get used to it right it, it sure. just becomes it smells like it smells like the i mean my office is obviously like <laughs> right but like but like it's not like but like when you're at the plant you know like you you know you're it's at the plant. there yeah yeah uh <laughs> i mean desensitized no it doesn't burn right. all the hairs out of your nose and you know like yeah, you the, be- still can... the best part, and and it becomes you become like a um a bit of a uh, sommelier to it, right? So like, oh god, like things shut things up. are wrong. <laughs> you know, things are going wrong. You walk, you come to the plant, you're like, uh oh, you know, like that's no not, way. It's because it is that easy, right? It is, yeah. I can definitely tell when I had Taco Bell the night before. That's right, yeah. Because it still kind of smells of dinner, of fourth meal, on mm-hmm. its way back out. You know, it's got a mm-hmm. distinct aroma. So yeah, I you can know. only imagine. You know, like you walk into the plant and you're like, "Oh, it's berry season." It's like... yeah. That's right. I mean, things like some some's a little off, a little sour. It's not, That's not... crazy. Yeah. So, all right. So, what we have you here on the show to talk about is um, what I have found to be called the National Wastewater Surveillance System. Mm-hmm. Um, the NWSS for short, and you know that's what the kids call it on the street. Um, but this is basically a screening program set up by the federal government that looks for COVID-19 in wastewater and in, uh, fecal matter at these wastewater treatment plants. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So start by telling me, have we ever done this before? What kind of things have we ever done it and looking for? And, um, if not, like, uh, how did it get started? uh recently so so sars cov2 so the virus that causes coronavirus disease is is virus and and so um viruses in wastewater is nothing new and we measure viruses to to make sure we're treating and disinfecting the wastewater well so that people people that use it downstream don't get sick um or some sometimes it's it's you know plant viruses and things like that that infect peppers people eat peppers and we're we're making sure there's no fecal contamination in wastewater. Mm-hmm. So, so no one's gonna get sick from from a pepper virus. But, but at the same time, we want to make sure there aren't pepper viruses, right? So, is this like um, a giant swimming pool where you're like, all right, this levels up. I got to put a couple drops into this. Yeah. So, so most often, everything's just sort of designed to work well. Um, so, so you put, you know, same dose of of whatever whatever chemical, you know, bleach, chlorine. Um, ultraviolet light whatever whatever it is um all that fluoride and there were, well yeah so so we're the wastewater folks we're not the fluoride folks right the fluoride folks are the drinking water guys That's they're not upstream a, yeah yeah right right we get the fluoride you know but um but uh, the uh yeah so so we use viruses to make sure that that everything's working as designed right so like we see viruses on the back end a back end of a treatment plant where we shouldn't see them or, or viruses that we shouldn't see or concentrations that we shouldn't see, we'll go figure out what's going on with our treatment system. But our treatment system is just sort of sort of designed to to work. We're not mm-hmm. we're not tweaking disinfection, so to speak. Understood. Um, 
but the coronavirus or the you know SARS-CoV-2 is is a is a virus. It's actually a fairly um, not really like robust environmental virus, which mm-hmm. makes it makes it good for monitoring this way. So when when the when the pandemic occurred, um, it was probably pretty natural natural leap to to start measuring that particular virus in in wastewater. So what you're saying is that there's not many things that would throw a false positive like that whenever you pick it up on the radar it definitely is it. Yeah, no, that's right. So so the, what when we're when we're doing surveillance for SARS-CoV-2, it's um you're actually looking for the the RNA in the wastewater mm-hmm. that is the the genes of of SARS-CoV-2. And so only only one thing's wrong, and it's wrong, and only one thing's SARS-CoV-2, and it's SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> I appreciate that um, comparison. That is apt. Um, so <laughs> National <laughs> Wastewater Surveillance System, that is something that obviously just got started. Is that something that um, all municipalities are all of a sudden signed up for, or do you kind of say that you want to um, sign on to it one town at a time or whatever? No, it's pretty diffuse. Um, I, I think it, it started more so out of um, particular utilities that had the ability to do this type of work, and um, and research research labs, and it's and it's grown. And maybe maybe the idea is to to have a bit more um, consistency across across people that are compar- or collecting data, so it's comparable from from lab to lab. But I think but I think it's more born out of places where there's that specific ability or skill to to measure this thing it's not it's not ubiquitous oh okay so is it like would it be an expensive and fairly time-consuming undertaking to equip a facility to be able to scan for this type of thing i think it's only the equipment and the training and the the people each individual test is comparatively quite cheap when you're doing it right right yeah but actually Mm -hmm. getting it up and running is not it's not something that everything is ready to do right now yeah, that's right. And so you hear a lot about the, um, you know, the different tests that that people take and these rapid PCR tests. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's exactly that. It's the same right? thing. Yeah, right. So so instead of instead of a nasal swab, it's a it's a little bit of wastewater. Yeah, just looking for that RNA. Mm-hmm. Um. Now I also read somewhere that you can analyze um, up to a certain community level of size, like, and you can pinpoint let's say where an outbreak is occurring um how how small of an area can you pinpoint as far as an outbreak so i don't know um you know people people have um i think it's wherever you have a concentrated stream that that represents a represents a a community so you know certainly there are there are universities and schools that are thinking about doing this on a on a dorm by dorm basis Okay, um, so, so more have... of a closed system type uh, yep. approach where you know that nothing else is coming in from an outside source. Yeah, I think I think that's that's exactly it. Now, now the question is is you know you've now sampled um, you know everything everything in our medical systems is, is attached to is attached to us. You know, everyone knows you know how many colds I've had, and if you want to find that information, you can find the information. But um, but now you have sort of like aggregate medical information on everyone that lives in a dorm and and you have to figure out what to do with that from a from a privacy standpoint so i mean i think i think there's some some still development from a policy standpoint like how do you how do you act on data that you capture then if you if you know that a particular small community is 
has the has a has an outbreak. I mean, that's what we're dealing with, I think, on a school level right now, at mm-hmm. least, you know, in the local uh, local school systems. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, somewhat reluctant to release the data just because uh, there are some privacy concerns, I guess, when it gets down to that small of numbers. That's right. But, um, I, you know, once again, I think you kind of have to give up that bit of privacy for uh, the public good. But that is just my opinion on those type of things. Yeah, I've never been one to, like, shudder at using EasyPass. You know what I mean? It's fine. I Like, I, um, you, you could have my information. And, and I would say, you know, SARS-CoV-2 and my, my feces falls under that category, too. For the, <laughs> right, for absolutely. The, for, the, for the betterment of protecting people or not sitting in very long toll lines. Sure. I mean, now, if we were asking everybody to put masks on their assholes, you would probably have a lot of blowback, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always good for the pun. Nice. Well, good <laughs> Thank pun you drop. very much. Yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, this is very simple. And so I would I would hope that there would be not that much uh, pushback on getting this implemented wherever possible, because um, you're looking at almost uh, instantaneous data of a large groups of people. I can't see why you wouldn't want to use that in terms of its efficiency and its cost effectiveness and for a host of other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting. You you do get a very real time view of what's happening. And and there was there was actually just um, one of our one of our collaborators I was just looking on, on Twitter a bit ago. Um, so he's at a. Uh, um, at Notre Dame doing doing this research and they published a paper today that's looking at, you know, okay, so sure, you find you find this in wastewater, you can measure in wastewater. And so the natural question is, well, is wastewater safe to touch? And and it turns out that that the that the RNA is is there, but the back but the virus isn't infectious at that point. And so like even finding infectious virus in people still remember this thing like lives in your respiratory tract. So by the time you're pooping it out, like it's not like this virus isn't super happy. It's not where it wants to be, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it's right. not, and I said it's not a very robust virus, and so there's plenty of things in your poop that that are not very nice to it. So it's like, <laughs> so so like, you have this like great stream where it's where it's like not infectious, but there's a marker that you can measure on a real time basis, and so so it's like it's a natural natural place to look from a from a community level. Um, how do you how do you think that we stand as a nation in terms of being able to utilize this for the upcoming fall and what I can only assume is going to be finally the start of that second wave of infections? I mean, I think the I think the best approach because it's it's really it's really hard to say it's like oh we you know we we sampled the poop in your community and it seems to be quite high right now so you're going to want to stay inside. It's it's probably better to feed that information into departments of health and and folks that are that are providing good science-based information and advocate for leadership who's willing to provide good science-based educa- education or uh, information. Sure, sure, absolutely. So yeah, you give it to the state and or at least the local municipality and they do mm-hmm. with it what they can. Yeah, and I, and I think, I think um, I mean, personally living in Virginia, I, I, think, I think our state has done quite well linking information to scientific understanding to to recommendations to people that's good uh yeah. you guys haven't had any militias at the state house no no not um not all right yet. hey give it yeah. time you know that's what right. they're out there <laughs> if you look in the brush there is uh a duck dynasty motherfucker sitting there he's waiting um 
<laughs> no, but um, it's really good to know that these type of systems are out there and they're going to be there hopefully protecting us over the next six months where things are going to get critical once again, I guarantee it. Yeah, so, I mean, like, thank you for the work you're doing. Oh, of course. Thanks for thanks for being interested. <laughs> no problem. And uh, we will have you on afterwards so we can get all the detailed findings of how that messy business went down. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks for being on the show, cuz. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. All right, bye. Well, they're figuring it out for him, so they're coaching around his talents, and they're getting him scrambling and bootlegging and making plays on the fly out of the pocket, and that's his forte, and... He's finding people because they're always extending their routes. And he's like, boom, I got you on a rope. Um, it looks good when it works. No, the, fu- the funniest uh, thing I caught from last week's game is uh, there was an interview after the game. And the woman who's uh, like the analyst on the field, they were talking. This is the first time the Browns have been 3-1 and one since 2001. And she goes up to Baker, and you could see her eyes were just lit up. She had this, like, cool fact to tell Baker, and she was, like, really excited to sell, sell him on this and, like, get his reaction. And she goes, Baker, you know, uh, you, uh, what was it? It's like, you're 3-1. and one. Do you know the last time the Browns have been 3-1? and one? And he goes, I don't care. I'm ready for the next game. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, like, 2001. His, the, it was the quarterback's own helmet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he hit him with his own helmet. I mean, you can't write that shit. But, I mean, back to the Lakers. I was I, at I, that game. I was. Actually, oh, that's right. You were at that game. Yeah, I was at the other yeah. end of the field, and I had no idea what was going on, and the people around me saw it, like, on the Jumbotron, and I missed it because I was trying to watch it on the field. And they're like, no, nah, it was not good. It was very bad. <laughs> they were like, he tried to murder that man. All right, so we are going to switch over. We're going to talk a little bit of politics. Cool? All right, so for Pope, for anybody just joining us right now, this is uh, West Coast Nick coming in and uh, doing our October 11th show. Thanks again for joining us, buddy. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, so we, uh, yeah, we just saw the Lakers kick some ass and got their millionth title. I think it said that they actually tied Boston with 17. the most ever. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And wow, and Russell has 11 of those 17, I think. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, like in like 10 in a row or something. There was yeah. nobody else playing those years. It was Apparently just, not. No, not at all. <laughs> just Bob Cousy or whoever the hell else is on those teams. I have no idea. But anyway, so up. can we yeah. start on with uh, the governor of Michigan almost getting abducted? Do you remember? Do you remember hearing about this this week? Yeah, I did hear about this. It's pretty <laughs> well. It's it's interesting because I just saw an interview with John Brennan. Uh, uh, is he the ex CIA director? Um, that sounds right. Yeah, he was talking about this. Um, well, they were talking about like white supremacists or white hate groups or radicalized militias, and he characterized them as nativists, which 
I never heard before. I know that I've heard like nationalist and populist and, uh, but he called him a nativist. And I was trying to figure out in my mind what this meant. And it's, it's like basically you love the United States so much that you're dangerous, I think is what it means. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think nativist is actually just another word for blood and soil kind of thinking or whatever, where you basically right. have to be born here. And have some kind of stake in the country. And, yeah, uh, but he seemed really worried about it. Um, yeah, these guys, uh, I mean... Yeah, look. as you should be, because like they are more connected now than ever, and uh, more scared and on edge, and kind of activated, if you will. Yeah, I, Facebook, Twitter, Gab, uh, QAnon... Uh, all these channels are just... What is, the, it, um, what is the Republican Twitter that was going on for yeah. a while? Oh, that, no. It's like Title or Tercel or something like that. Or, did that not catch never, on then? It did not catch on at all. Okay. Nice, because nice they're shot. like, no, they're censoring our speech. We're all going to go play over on this playground. Yeah, instead. I think we talked about it on the podcast the day it came out and then it just fizzled out. No, it um, blew up. Like It was like, oh, everyone's going over to yada yada. And well, I think they did. did. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people did, but it didn't... In protest for a week. Yeah. yeah. You and know? then you went back to your dark master Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but Gab is the one that uh, I use pretty frequently. I mean, not use, use. I just go on there to, like, peruse the hate. You're lurking. I guess. Yeah. And uh-huh. that's where you get all the good, you know, like... Oh, God. I mean... Hate I don't speech. Even, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to list it off because it's just so awful, but you get uh-huh. a lot of cool QAnon updates. And, you spend and a lot of time over there? Uh, I like it. Um, I, I think <laughs> I that like it's... It. Yeah, I think I it's love this, watching the car wreck that is humanity. Well, it's, it's, it's so detailed and there's so much work done. It's, it's so... Like, the one thing that I was looking at it today and I was talking to a friend about it, it's unbelievable amount of work for virtually no payoff because it's all it's just like... like it's like it's, uh, viewing adult science projects. Yeah. I mean... It, <laughs> it's like, look at all the research I did. Look at everything I put together. I made some graphs and uh, so put in some, you know, like, put in some oh, pictures. Oh, dude. I mean, I, I found, like, a uh, beautiful analytical, like, uh, graphs and shit about, like, when, like, a, a word was said uh, when a letter was uttered like what oh, no. like oh my gosh it's so detailed like if you wanted to find out how many times the president said the word you know Bl- Antifa it's Blink 182 yeah yeah and like you, every every speech is then parsed out and broken down into a million different uh, possible annotations I love it yes so and that's, so, that's so this is the thing with this group of people is that they're radicalized by this information and they've got to the point where they think they're they have this anti-government sentiment where it's overthrow the government like i i just don't understand i i'm trying to figure out exactly like the toughest part to wrap my brain around is that trump is actually a plant and he's the one who is trying to infiltrate all this from the inside out. Like, if you actually yeah. believe the full QAnon tale, right, then you believe that Trump yeah. is the uh, has been playing this role for over 30 years and has been working the scenes, behind the scenes, to try and get all the mice out of Whoville or whatever, you know, all the sex offenders out of the world 
and the Clintons in jail for 30 years. Like, <laughs> like this is what you're supposed to believe if you're the true believer. But really, I think it's just... Um, it's another overlap thing where you can choose where you get on and get off and how much of it... It's like being a cafeteria Catholic where only so much of it applies to you and you only do so much of it throughout a holy year. And it's fine because nobody checks up on you and nobody says, no, you can't be a part of it. So some yeah. people like to hang out in the weapons end of, of the pool and some people like to hang out in the you know more social end of it because that is what a lot of people like to do is get on there and be uh panicky and white together and middle-aged you know late at night that's what they enjoy doing 100 percent, man i i i just believe that this is not going away anytime soon so i i think that it's great to hear that the fbi is still arresting people i think that that's really great doing their Uh. jobs (laughs) politicized you know but as much I, as we would think. Yeah, this is not going to be the end of this 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 idea that... I mean, people always want to overthrow the government. Uh, it's just, like, not a new thing. But they've never been this radicalized. And, and this, this, this idea that... It piggybacks... All right, but it piggybacks on trust in the government and faith but, in the government but at, also an trust, time, at an all-time low. But so, trust like, in your fellow citizen as well. I mean... Look, oh, that yeah, maybe that's even worse. That's even that, worse than that's not, not just the governor. the governor. That's your fellow citizen. That's your neighbor. Yeah, vote her out. You don't have to kidnap her and take her to some like weird remote area in Wisconsin to prove oh, your point. Just go to I, the polls and vote. That was my. That was one of my main uh, topics of the week. Was just like how you're going to tell one person one thing, and you know what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. So. If you don't want to have people tearing Confederate statues down and you tell them, well, you should just go to your state legislature and have them take it down by decree or whatever, don't go and do it yourself. Why are you going to go and let this shit go down on the right? How are you going to possibly not persecute this to the fullest extent of the law? So they have to. Yeah. And But I mean, like, they're still not, you know, getting in people's faces when they march on the capital buildings of all these states with arms i mean that yeah, certainly would not scary go shit, man. very well if it was the other way around no not at all and i don't think that there's any reason to do it i think it all it is is just an uh an intention getter but it also you know it's a kettle you know to that's going to blow you know they, these these militia type groups i mean you go all the way back to timothy McVeigh. you know what i mean these types of things have been going on but they, they need steam and they need leaders. And unfortunately, what's happened is now the president is that catalyst now. So, right. you know, you're, you're getting a lot of people that otherwise would have sat on their hands. Uh, they're feeling motivated. And uh, that's that's not going away anytime soon. But I think that we can get we can get things in gear pretty quickly as long as we get the government back. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think obvious step one probably going to be win this election coming up so i mean let's start there and talk about what it would be like to have a biden victory imagine what it would be like imagine um i mean let's actually let's get past the probably turmoil that will ensue just trying to figure out if biden won 
Although right. I am hoping for the landslide that puts everything in place <laughs> night of. You know, yeah. like this. this That's whole, possible, like, I think. It is. There's all these scenarios, let's say, where Florida gets. Uh, if Biden wins Florida, then he pretty much wins the election in most pretty scenarios. Much. Um, yeah. But, anyways, imagine Biden wins. What do we do now? I mean, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that we don't still have to worry about Trump in that capacity. You don't wake up wondering he's gonna what is, you know, what he's gonna say and what his agenda is for the day anymore because he has no power. So like that will be great. And I mean, I say that even though like there will be a lame duck capacity to him for a few months, um, and who knows what he'll try to get done then. But uh, at the same time, assuming that he is taken away by hook or by crook as a as a liberal or just like a person and a human in in america what do you think is feasible and what do you think people should be looking to do to move forward from from the trump era i just think that there's going to be a lot of hangover from understanding what what did people think like you should look at your friends that like that did vote for Trump or supported him. I think that there shouldn't be any of this I I'm never talking to those people again or like the divisiveness just needs to stop. We need to stop like this whole thing where we're we're you know liberals and, and I think you can already see it with all the Republicans already jumping on the, like Look, the president serves everyone, not just his, his followers. That's that's point one, and that's gonna have to start back in action because, like, that's that's the rule that we kind of put on the president. And Trump just doesn't give it. Well, he doesn't give a shit about anything. Well, once again, these are constitutional norms, not constitutional laws. So if Trump right. only wants to serve red states and not blue states, as we've seen. He's he allowed. He's he's damn well going to do it as well. It's disgusting, and it should never happen again. But like, what do we do? Like, do you have well, to write that in, into the Constitution? Like, how do you clean up the mess that he has made and enshrine more things into uh, into law? I guess I don't know. How do you li- you got to limit the power of the executive branch? I think you. I think that that's one of the things you, you got to do because look, I mean. The, the Hatch Act violations, obviously, like, that's just, like, you know, uh, Trump just stamps all over. Like, they don't even talk about it anymore. That's how, Yeah, but, like, I mean, irrelevant. that enrichment just from the Hatch Act violations are basically only paying the VIG on his outstanding debts. That's not even cracking well, okay. the nut. How about, how about make, like it, make it a law that the president has to disclose his finance finances? Oh, that absolutely makes sense, as well as your medical report and examination. Yeah. I mean, make the, make all these simple things that w- were basically, you know, throwaways for most of every president. Uh, and and a mental lost. health examination. A real one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, and not, how about, where you have to, not where you have to draw the thing and get accepted to art school over the, the mail or whatever that is. And I, I think a lot of this, uh, you know, appointing kind of stuff uh needs to be relooked at because trump well, really when you have took acting, advantage of that yeah. yeah if you have all these acting secretaries they are basically with you know in positions that they would never in their right mind ever get confirmed for because they are not qualified for these jobs and um 
what's the problem is once again is that you have a senate that is completely capitulating to the whims of the president not holding him in check so like if they would have bitch slapped him on day one obviously you have a problem when his constituents are so diehard for him and they're in your state they're in your district or whatever so you can't have these people who are elected going against the president when all when the politics are so nationalized right now that they will turn on them if they go against the president, right? Yeah. I mean, it can't just, happen. Well, just a quick aside. I mean, the the one um, this is how bad it's gotten under Trump um, that they're so loyal. The bureau. Did you hear about the Bureau of Land Management uh, guy? Go ahead. He, yeah, he had no like prior kind of experience doing this type of work but trump put him in there um and a judge said well you know you're you were not like this is not legitimate you weren't appointed in the legitimate way you're out and he told the judge you have no standing i i'm here to serve the president i'm going to stay keep doing my job so like he literally told a judge that told a judge no yeah and he's like i'm here to serve quote unquote the king you know what i mean so like that type of stuff with um, national security advisor or whatever, oh, yeah. Wolf, yeah. this yeah. guy has just been told by a uh, a judge that he is with you know not allowed to keep doing his role in an acting capacity. But what I was getting back to was that like, if you have a Senate that doesn't give a fuck about their integrity and doesn't care about swearing these people in and lets them sit in an acting capacity and not get filled properly. And that's how these things fester on, and that's where we're at right now, because they do not have any balls, and Trump just completely castrated them as soon as they got into office, because they're like, all right, well, we'll get some shit done, and we'll get to keep our jobs. Yeah. I, I'm i still, uh, you know, I, I, I still think that the, it, it, it's good that if you have a majority, you can do things, but you can see how dangerous it is. Uh, I think that there's probably needs to be you know, some level of, you know, what a, a president can actually do um, in terms of power. I, I think that the executive orders, I mean, we just can go through like, I mean, Trump is really like a case study where we could kind of see that, you know, like, and I think Biden's the president that would be okay with these types of things. I, I really, I don't think that, you know, not limiting the, the executive office uh, seems like, very american to me you know yeah and it's it does and it seems like something very old school and conservative if you might say so yourself because yeah. if you like the way that government is supposed to work and not the bastardized form that you know trump has created then you want to restore what we all thought and knew to be the norms that everybody played by well so the, the, that, there had to been in every back of everybody's mind what if we get an enormous narcissistic asshole as the president? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, what if that I've happens? Heard, <laughs> I've heard time and time again from all the readings of the Constitution or whatever, the interpretations was that they were just crossing their fingers and basically hoping that someone with that kind of idiocy would never ascend to the highest office of the well, land. Because Isn't that why we have the Electoral College? Is to prevent that? Um... I don't know. I mean, there is the faithless elector scenario that is actually going to be quite the clusterfuck for all different reasons right now. Um, that, you know, like, is essentially there to um, take away the votes from the people. Right. But um, 
I don't know. I think that that's all you can do right now, but that's not mm-hmm. what you can do while he's in office. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's 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 looking like he's not going to win this election, which would be great. I and, think that um, that's, that's where it's pointing towards, yes. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see, and it's probably going to drag out, I would think. It's not... I, I can only hope for a landslide, but there's no way it's going to happen, so... It'll be close enough to where it might take a week. I yeah, think. I agree. And I, 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 I mean, just the <clears throat> all the mail-in voting. Yeah, they they have till I think December fourteenth or something like that to get that done. So um, that's probably when we'll really know. It's either the tenth or the fourteenth, but they have like a time it's limit. Thirty-five days, I believe. Okay, something like that. Yeah. So that's just because everybody's voting by mail this time i think that that's going to be the issue but look man i i just man you know like i just all these uh, stories that i hear you know of uh tampering uh i think that the texas uh governor or lieutenant governor when he tried to take away all those polling uh boxes or stations uh-huh. i guess a judge enacted said that that wasn't legitimate so that's not going to happen anymore yeah i mean yeah, you're it seeing was like, all kinds of little things that are getting nipped in the bud by the courts and it's all it's coming down to the last minute where everybody's trying everything they can. Yeah. I mean that's why I think that Trump and look, I mean this could go either way for Trump. If if they do <laughs> slam it through and get Amy Comey Bear uh the new justice um do you really think it's not going to happen though? I just think that there's too many there's too many levels of complexity right now that I, I mean, I just think that there's a possibility that they're just not going to be able to line it up right. Really? I mean, I, don't I haven't know. looked at the scheduling calendar. It starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Um, so, I mean... And, like, but aren't they... They went with the go-ahead to get everything done virtually in right, terms of but the I, hearing, so... Just making it look legitimate, though. I mean, they I guess it doesn't matter. A, yeah, yeah, I know. Care. I mean, but me? like that's why I'm saying, like, like let's skip to the um, yeah the Biden presidency. I mean, like no, look, I mean let's could... skip to the assumed. Let's skip to the fact that Comey Barrett is seated on the you know on the Supreme Court. So then, what right. happens next? Like, do you pack the courts? Like, these are absolutely legitimate questions. And, and right, exactly. And the the answer is yes. But it's something that all the people who are in front of the cameras right now are not allowed to say because it's election season and the average you know voter doesn't understand why that needs to happen um especially yeah. because like you know the people and the naysayers who do understand the process would tell you that it'll happen in perpetuity and then it'll essentially delegitimize the court over time once it happens so many times and there's a million people on this banana court so like yes that's true but at the same time the way that they were able to pirate the last couple votes or the last couple uh, appointments uh, will leave a bad taste in your mouth, especially when you're at a, a crux of so much legislation getting overturned from the past. Um, yeah, it, it's an important time, so I can't. There's a there's no Look, good excuse not to do it. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't be opposed to impeaching uh, Bill Barr. Th- well, no, I mean, uh, potentially, you know, uh, oh, Kavanaugh, Barrett. yeah, Kavanaugh and Comey Barrett, because, they, look, I mean, especially Comey Barrett, because, like, this is ridiculous, okay? But, yeah. I mean, Gorsuch, 
Uh, should have been Obama's. I mean, that was like a year into the press. I mean, he had more than enough time to do. I mean, like, they're doing this in like two weeks. And not only that, like, how about like the way that they have tried to replace um, certain justices with certain profiles? Right. And obviously Trump is not doing any of that. He's not honoring the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg at all with his appointment. So no. that's super disappointing once again, but totally expected. And um, that kind of leaves it to be her life's duty if she gets on the court to basically undo everything that RBG tried to fucking stand for. I, I mean, I think that that's her plan. There's no... <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. And, and the idea that we're not going to be able to ask her about that before she gets appointed is just great. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah, so ridiculous. it's something that might come before me. But, like, she's dropping all these hints out right now where you shouldn't be, you know, making policy from the bench. But at the same time, I've been hearing a lot of things recently where, like, even if you're a textualist or an originalist in your interpretation and you're all, all in that federalist society shit right. um, over in the University of Chicago, like, even you are legislating from the bench because when there's so little to go off of in the original text, you find previous texts that the same people have written to bolster your interpretation. So, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, everybody is basically just doing what they want and kind of backfeeding any kind of um, well ethos it, on top of it. It's, it's a combination of that. And she's... They had this kind of... Uh, I don't know exactly what's the right word, but like they deal in this world where they don't believe presidents matter. So even if the, 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 the ruling is there, they don't give a shit. That's kind of their whole thing. So it's like not only do we believe in this like strict construct, you know, strict interpretation, but we'll also say, all these other interpretations are illegitimate just because uh, just because you guys ruled it doesn't mean it's right. So they, they have like no allegiance to anything. It's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, you could say so. It sounds completely <laughs> hypocritical when, it, when you put it like that. Yeah. Right? I mean, come on. Well, um, I mean, they, I, they, they've been quoted as this talking this way. So, I mean, it's like they don't care whether or not, whether you like it or not, you know, whether like this law could have been put together a hundred years ago for some other reason entirely. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter that people thought this way back then. This is the way we're going to think now. So, Well, what they do is they try to backfill it by saying that, oh, this interpretation from 1875 isn't originalist enough like i found something right. even older that says something <laughs> the way i want to see it right I said, right yeah you have to have the planks of the wood going you know but yeah so i mean you have packing the court and then you also have things like granting puerto rico and dc statehood i think that's another thing that um like somebody said like you give dc the statehood you offer it to puerto rico if they want to be part of this mess then let them join. You know, if not, you know what, they can chill on their own. I got another one, man. New flag. Well, you're going to have to get a new flag. <laughs> but I'm saying, like... Just, we, I mean, because, like, wouldn't it be great to get rid of the flag? Like, can you imagine Trump will just have, like, a, a his brain will explode? Yeah, like on scanners, for sure. It'll be that scene. <laughs> um, honestly, no, I think I, that's I'm, a great I think idea that's... just because 
if anything would give us a, a reset that would be it but this is this is like the ultimate branding program in the in the you know right. the entire human existence so that's a tough one to kind of flip a break on but I, I totally think that that's uh, easy and reasonable to create those uh, states because look I mean I, they should be and it's sad that they're not I mean, it's, you know, it's taxation without representation is not cool with me. It wasn't cool with the founding fathers. Why should it be cool for people that are literally one mile away from a a bunch of states? And then in one case and then in the other, a territory that we took over and said that we were going to take care of and treat equally. So, yeah. Do you remember when Trump met the president of Puerto Rico? Uh, it, it did not go well, right? <laughs> That's what he said. He said he said in an interview he met with the president of Puerto Rico. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to know how smart Trump is, or I don't know, if he he just literally doesn't even care. I don't know. He just threw some paper towels at her. You know, she. Yep. You know, she was. She's got some words for that man. It was pretty awesome to see what was happening. But you know, people yeah. were dying and getting really mistreated. Yeah, I mean, it, it's absolutely horrible. And these hurricanes, I mean, that that's the thing. It's, uh, you know, reinstating some of the, like, you know, obviously there's a lot of easy ones that Biden's probably going to take care of really quickly with, you know, some of the, you know, relationships, foreign and domestic. And, and I mean, it'd be great to tear down the wall. Yeah, definitely Why not? have to get on it. Well, we just have to get a bunch of fans out there. Strong wind should probably take care of it. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> I mean, I think he said that they're up to like 370 miles of wall. For sure. I wonder, I wonder where he got that figure from. Well, I saw on a show that, uh, you know, there was only like a dozen new miles that didn't have fence beforehand, but some of it was just like some cattle fence where you could just hop over it real easy. But the, there was actually fence in 90% of the stuff that they've already rebuilt fence on. But it's a nice big fence now. It's a big, wow. big wall fence. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. Tax dollars <laughs> at work. And he got to shop for the one he wanted the most. Oh, another uh, – on, to- on the topic of the wall, the, he, there was another judge that did an injunction where he wasn't allowed to use the military – or emergency funds, excuse me, for the wall. From the Pentagon because, for the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, another one. This judge's project doesn't seem to be working out. No. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> and um, if you're going to have judges that start thinking correctly, or at least interpreting the law in a way that is the fairest, like, and not, and, and putting their ideology, you know, their ideology aside, then that's not going to go well um, for the right. That's no, going to actually no. go well for liberals. They're making a huge bet, and especially with Amy Comey Bryant. Um, she, I think Amy I said Kobe. Kobe I think I said Kobe Bryant. <laughs> There's no. I, obviously, she's conservative. Obviously, she's religious. Obviously, like all these things. But there's no way that this lady's a Trump supporter. I'm sorry. Like he's like the antichrist to her. She is totally repulsed by him, as is every evangelical who isn't actually just an evil, evil person at heart. Right. You know, hiding it. You know, with going to church a bunch. Like if you're actually a religious, spiritual person, you don't love Trump, but you stick on that side of the fence because that's what you're told to do, and you're yeah. afraid, and you don't know what to do because you're a one-issue voter, and 
when religion, you know, if abortion is the only thing you see on the ticket, we're never going to get you on the side of, of liberalism because, no, you know, people deserve the right to vote and you think that it is murder, you know, to the nth degree, that's it. Even though, like, the policies of the right will kill and hurt so many more people than could ever possibly get aborted, you know, and these are real people in the world. Not the type of fetuses that then go on to be worked and experimented with so that Trump can have a cocktail that gets him better in three days. Yeah, you know? it's just, it's just, it's kind of morally, re- it, it's it, this, it's this, like, weird. It's a twisted like, version of yeah, uh, it's, well, moralism. The, the way, yeah, well, like, the, the conservative ideas in itself just lend to this slow moving train that doesn't really see that there's systemic problems that need to be solved like just because you're doing well doesn't mean your neighbor is so you got to remember that you may be in a good situation and you don't want things to change but not everybody's going through and you got to put you got to vote with that in mind and you got to vote not for yourself but for others. And, and, and sometimes I, I feel like you've got to do this like moral gymnastics to, to do this and, and believe you're conservative, but not realizing that you're hurting others. Well, you some know? people really like to pull the ladder up behind them. And yeah. once they're in the boat or whatever, then everything's fine and screw everybody else. And you've got a lot of people who ascribe to that like either from the point the vantage point of somebody who already has money and says that I want to protect it or the other people who are essentially like the Trump loyalists who don't have a lot of money but they sure as hell want to make sure those protections are there if and when they ever strike it rich they're like we want to get away with holy hell when we're on top like this guy is like that comes with wealth, I guess, is the ability to break the law in a lot of people's minds. Like, well, they just assume that it is so baked in to monetary, you know, wealth. It's the prize you get. They assume it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, with the finance stuff, it's interesting because if you look at mega rich people or, I don't know, you know, uh, there's like a lot of billionaires these days, a lot of millionaires. Look, when those Panama Papers came out, all that showed us is that there's been people, rich people, offshoring money all the time, forever, always been doing it. So it's like, look, you can come and have all your money in the United States and bitch about taxes and bitch about how they're trying to steal all your money and it's not worth it. It's like, while you're offshoring all your accounts, you know what I mean? It's like, look, they want both. They want to have both and it's not fair. And, uh, you know, you got to pay your fair share. That's just how it works. Tell them. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we actually have to wrap it up today because right. uh, it's getting late over here on the East Coast. But I know oh, you yeah, still got... <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take it easy. You too.
Thanks for listening once again, everybody. It's been great doing another episode with you guys. Thanks for Ryan Little for the intro music. It is fantastic as always, and we will see you guys in seven days. 